Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Warmer for Lilo. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. We're going to go guest-free today. I figured in the second segment, it would be good to be able to take a look at some of the trends that we're seeing in Major League Baseball. I'm going to be taking a look at teams that have been very good slash very bad to the over when it comes to home record. We're going to be taking a look at some of these pitchers that have been providing value to the over and the under. And Odd Shark actually does something really cool where you're able to see money won slash money lost on pitchers with regards to their starts. So we're going to be diving into that, seeing who's making you money, who is not. So I figured that would be something fun. And we're going to be highlighting a lot of these bullpens of the postseason team, seeing who's getting hot, who's getting cold, because I think that that's a very important aspect to be able to take a look at as well. So we're going to be doing some trend spotting in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday. And a little something like, I'll touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And if you got one of two ways we offer these in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, name does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, whether it be a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you. Once again, much like yesterday, it's going to be cut a tad bit shorter than normal on the recap that we're going to be having in the first segment. There's going to be a few games that are still 
going on as I do this because you've got now the Greg Peterson experience on the Vegas Ads and Information Network. If you're out here on the West Coast, it begins every Friday and Saturday at 10 p.m. If you're out there on the East Coast in the Eastern Time Zone, it begins every Saturday and Sunday at 1 a.m. and then it lasts until 4 a.m. on the East Coast, on the West Coast. It runs through the next day until 1 a.m. So it depends on your time zone, whether it's two or three days a week, but we've got that going on and have no fear. I'm going to be providing quite a bit of baseball analysis there. I know that many of you guys have been clamoring for me to do some football. Wound up giving out some college football picks. I actually wound up doing halfway decent on Saturday. So we've been going with a lot of that, NFL, what have you. So a little bit more of an all-encompassing show to add to the wide library of Greg Peterson works. So we've got all that going on and we've got a lot going on in baseball. So let's take a look back at everything that we wound up seeing on Saturday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. It feels like we lead with this team every single day and it's just because they don't lose. It's the St. Louis Cardinals once again getting the job done. 8-5 to five the final. They have now won 13 straight games, and now they have hit each other last five games. The over, by the way, is Tyler O'Neill. He and Paul Goldschmidt are as hot as lava right now. His 32nd home run season. Here's some Bader's 14th home run season. And then Paul DeYoung late would be able to get his 19th bomb of the campaign. As for the St. Louis Cardinals, they wind up being able to tee up Adrian Sampson twice. And Sampson actually wasn't too bad in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings. And then from there, Cody Hoyer, who had been doing a solid job in the Cubs bullpen ever since being picked up from the White Sox, gives up three runs without getting it out. Scott Efros along with Rowan Wick both give you a scoreless inning. And then Tommy Nance winds up giving up one of those bombs. He gives up three runs over the course of an inning for the Chicago Cubs. It was a too little, too late situation, but Ian Happ gets his 24th home run season and 13th since the beginning of the month of August. He winds up being able to take Luis Garcia deep, giving up a one run in his inning. Kwon Young Kim comes out of the bullpen with a scoreless inning. John Lester is now giving up three earned runs or fewer in now seven out of his last eight starts. He gave up four runs in total in this one. Only three were earned as he was hurt by a Nolan Arenado fielding error, but TJ McFarlane, two scoreless innings, including just an absolutely ridiculous double play in which the Cubs had no idea how to run the bases, which I thought was very funny. What else is hilarious is watching the Pittsburgh Pirates score zero runs. Three to zero the final and Ranger Suarez. How about how good he has been? I want to leaving him out in regards to my betting trends, but if you're looking for a trend, he has been very good to the under as now five out of his last six starts have went under. He winds up going the complete game. He's now got a buck 45 ERA. He has been a godsend for the Philadelphia Phillies. What else has been a godsend? Bryce Harper, 17th home run ever since the beginning of the month of August, 34th of the season. And then you wind up getting the first home run of the season for Matt Veerling as for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not a bad start here from William Crow. He gives up three runs and both of those homers in four and two-thirds innings. From there, Jack Cool, Anthony Banda, and Yel De Los Santos. I'll give you a scroll ascending. Sam Howard gives you an out out of the bullpen, but for the Pirates, for it's absolutely nothing doing for them on offense. Not a lot doing on offense in Oakland as it was the A's taking down the Houston Astros by a count of 2-1 for the Astros. Their lone form of offense was Kyle Tucker getting his 28th home run season. For Fran Valdez, a good start from him. He winds up giving up one run over the course of six and two-thirds innings. Kendall Graveman, one and a third inning scoreless. And then Ryan Presley in the ninth inning winds up allowing the game-winning run. And for Fran Valdez, by the way, this was the first 
time that he wound up having an under in the month, despite the fact that he has been able to do a solid job for this team all season long. So that has been interesting. And then for the Oakland A's, wound up having a very good start out of Sean Maneo, who's been really struggling lately. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. Lou Trevino, Andrew Chafin both provide you with a scoreless inning. So despite the fact that the A's wind up leaving 11 men on base, they were able to get it done. The Tampa Bay Rays, they get it done against the Miami Marlins. 7-3 the final. Sandy Alcantara winds up giving up five runs three of which were earned over the course of six innings. He was hurt by a Jazz Chislomare. It's 24th of the season and then Eddie Alvarez commits an error as well. Richard Blyer gives you a scoreless inning, but then Anthony Bender gives up two runs in an inning for the Miami Marlins. You had Miguel Rojas be able to get his ninth home run season. That winds up coming off of Shane McClanahan, who is very good for the Tampa Bay Rays in this one. Gives up just that solo home run over the course of five innings. The team had actually lost each out of his last three starts, by the way. Not necessarily his fault. They had provided him one run of support in his previous three starts. But then from there, Colin McHugh gives up two runs of one and a third innings. J.P. Fireisen gets five outs without giving up a run. And Pete Fairbanks was able to give you a scoreless inning to be able to get it done. The Baltimore Orioles get it done by a count of three to two as... The team is now 5-1 and one in Chris Ellis' six starts. He goes three scoreless innings. Marcos Duplan, two scoreless innings. You wind up having Brooks Kriske and Dylan Tate both give up a solo home run. Tate winds up going one and a third innings. Kriske, one inning. And Joy Knebel, he was able to give you one and two-thirds innings scoreless for the Baltimore Orioles. It was Calvin Gutierrez who wound up coming up with a home run off of Jordan Lyles. His second home run in the season for Jordan Lyles. He certainly has been giving up the deep ball. Wasn't necessarily his worst start in this one. Giving up three runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings. And the team had actually been three and one in his last four starts. Surprisingly, Dennis Santana goes a third of an inning scoreless. Brett Martin was able to give you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen. And for the Rangers, you wind up having Jose Trevino get his fourth home run season. And then you wind up having the 17th of Nate Lowe on the campaign as the Rangers still continue to lead the major leagues in terms of fewest runs per game ever since the All-Star break. They have scored three runs or fewer in nine out of their last ten games. That is not good. This was not good for the Chicago White Sox. They got shut out by the Cleveland Indians by a count of 6-0. For the White Sox, Lance Lynn gets completely destroyed, giving up six runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of homers. Jose Ramirez, 36th homer on the season, and Andres Jimenez was able to get his fifth homer on the season. Eli Morgan, six scoreless innings. This Came out of absolutely nowhere as he has been giving up the deep ball a plenty. 18 home runs given up by him so far this year, but he was able to keep the ball in the air. Sam Etchages, two scoreless innings, and then Brian Shaw was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. So that was not necessarily what the White Sox were looking for in that one. This was what the Tigers were looking for, though. 5-1, to one, they take down the Kansas City Royals for the Royals. You wind up having Mr. John Aisley actually give you a really good start. Five and a third inning scoreless, and then a bullpen that ranks in the top eight with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break just got completely exploded upon. Irvin Santana gives up two runs without getting it out. Domingo Tapia gives up three runs in a third of an inning. Jake Prince was able to give you an out of the bullpen. You wind up having a pair of guys give you a scoreless inning in Greg Holland along with Dylan Coleman. But for the Royals, also not a lot of offense in this one. They go 0-5 with men in scoring position as Tariq Skubal. Four scoreless innings. The Tigers have really been having Tariq Skubal along with Casey Mize on a strict pitch count and innings limit, by the way, recently. So be noting that if you're betting on them. But Michael Fulmer, one and a third innings of the bullpen scoreless. Drew Hutchinson doesn't give up a run, but it was unearned in his two and two-thirds innings. And then Kyle Funkhauser brought the funk with a scoreless inning. So the Detroit Tigers have all of a sudden gotten seven games above 500 ever since the All-Star break with that win. So they certainly have been rocking and 
rolling. It has been very interesting for the Milwaukee Brewers as they have been rocking and rolling in the wrong way the last week, but they get the job done against the New York Mets by a count of 2-1 to one, as Rich Hill actually provided halfway decent start, giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Aaron Loop, Trevor May, South Lugo, I'll give you a scoreless setting. And then one Corbin Burns who's trying to get the National League Cy Young Award. This is going to help him out. He gets nine strikeouts, gives up one run over the course of seven innings. Brad Boxberger and Josh Ader from there able to provide scoreless eighth and ninth innings. So the Brewers, they wind up being able to get the W. The Cincinnati Reds out there in the same division, they get the W as well in grand fashion as Nick Cassianos able to get a walk-off homer to lead the team over the Washington Nationals by a count of 7-6 to six for Eric Fetty Wap. He got whopped and rolled as he winds up giving up five runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. For the Reds, Vladimir Gutierrez was probably worse in this one, giving up four runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings. Tony Santian from there gives up one run in two-thirds of an inning. Justin Wilson, two-thirds of an inning, scoreless. And then Sionel Perez, Lucas Sims, Michael Lorenzen, Michael Givens. I'll give you a scoreless saying, and Jeff Hoffman does wind up giving up a solo home run. Going deep for the Nats, you had Lane Thomas get his seventh home run season. Then one of the big pieces of that Max Scherzer deal, Kiebert Ruiz, gets his third home run season. For the Washington Nationals, you have Mr. Jean Romano, Alberto Boladano, along with Mason Thompson, all combined for four outs of the bullpen without giving up a run. Andres Machado, he gives up a run in an inning. But then it was Patrick Murphy in one and a third innings, giving up that home run to Mr. Cassianos. His 31st of the campaign winds up being in walk-off fashion, so that was no doubt a very tough loss for our good friends, the Washington Nationals. This was a tough loss for the Boston Red Sox. 5-3, to three, the New York Yankees wind up taking down the Boston Red Sox as Nestor Cortez didn't give up a lot, but he didn't give a lot of length. Four and a third innings, he winds up giving up two runs. One of those was on a solo home run to Kevin Plowecki in third home run season. Bobby Dahlbeck will go deep off of Roldis Chapman, and Chapman, boy, has he had his issues. He winds up giving up that solo home run in his inning of work, but for Michael King, he was able to give you one and a third inning scoreless. Lucas Lutke was able to give you an out of the bullpen, and Luis Severino, all of a sudden is becoming the Swiss Army knife for the New York Yankees as he winds up providing two scoreless settings as you wind up having Nick Pavetta actually lend a really good start here for the Boston Red Sox. Entered into this game with a 5.69 ERA at home. Five and a third innings, gives up one run, and then the bullpen just could not hold up. Tanner Elk, who I feel like should be a starter for this team, came out of the bullpen. One and two-thirds innings, gives up two runs, and then Darwinson Hernandez winds up allowing a grand slam to John Carlos Stan that wound up costing them the game. Ryan Brazier and so Robles, a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but for Stan. 33rd home run of the season in grand fashion. Team was down by a count of 2-1 to one prior to that slam, and he wound up being the difference maker in the Yankees. Now 7-3 and three in their last 10 games against the Boston Red Sox. We've got a few games that are still going on as I do this, but the LA Dodgers wind up falling to the Arizona and the Diamondbacks. This game is in the top of the ninth with the Diamondbacks up by a count of 7-2. Might be a little bit early to say that because while well, the Arizona and the Diamondbacks bullpen not great, but the Dodgers in this one weren't great. Clayton Kershaw, who by the way, going into the start, had been 5-10 and 10 in his last 15 starts in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. That's one of the strangest stats you'll ever find. He winds up giving up four runs, three of which were earned, including a pair of homers. Going deep for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Quito Marte of the Marte Parte and Carson Kelly both getting their 13th home runs of the season. That's the most on the team, by the way. Pursuit of Gradrall, one and two-thirds inning scoreless. You wind up having Phil Bickford giving an out of the bullpen. David Price gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. And Evan Phelps winds up giving up two runs in his inning of work. The main form of offense for the Dodgers at this point. 
Trey Turner down for what? A pair of home runs. His 23rd and 24th home runs of the season. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, they get a very good start out of Zach Gallon, giving up one of those home runs over the course of his six innings. Joe Manette Tipley, along with Noe Ramirez, both give you a scoreless inning, and then Caleb Smith supplies that other home run that Trey Turner down for what? Winds up getting the San Diego Padres wind up losing an extra innings to the Atlanta Braves as they wind up having a four-run lead get completely squandered as Ode Soler in the sixth inning was able to go deep off of Nabel Christmas for his 25th home run season for Uskadi Yanoa. You know what? This was not a good start. He gives up seven runs in four and two-thirds innings, but A.J. Minter provides an out of the bullpen, and then Chris Martin gives you an out of the bullpen, and then Luke Jackson, Tyler Mazek, Richard Rodriguez all give you scoreless innings before Will Smith gets jiggy with it in the 10th inning. And for the Salam Diego Padres, Vince Velasquez gives up two runs in three innings. Why he got another start, I have no idea. Ryan Weathers from there gives you two innings. He winds up giving up one under and run as Fernando Tatis Jr. commits his 22nd error of the season. Actually, has been doing a better job not committing errors, but a lot of that is because he's been playing in the outfield a little bit more. Nabel Krismet, though, from there, has actually been relatively reliable for the Padres. He winds up giving up that home run. Four runs in total in a third of an inning. Denelson Lamette gives you five outs out of the bullpen, and then Emilio Pagana scoreless inning. Mark Melanson gives up an unearned run in his inning of work, and Danny Hudson in the 10th gives up two runs, one of which was earned, so now the San Diego Padres 11-28 and in their last 39 games. Absolutely brutal. This is a game that is far from dumb, but you know what it pretty much is. I'm doing this in the 6th inning as the Angels are up 14-1 to on the Seattle Mariners as all you need to know on this one is that Mr. Tyler Anderson would give it up three runs or fewer and all but one of his starts with the Seattle Mariners. Gives up nine and he provided six outs. It's not great. From there, Yuan Ramirez gives up two runs in an inning. Jordan Sheffield, three runs in an inning. And Eric Swanson, he was able to give you a scoreless inning. As it, by the way, for Sheffield, he gave up five walks in an inning. How that happens, I have absolutely no idea, but Choi Otani, pair of triples in this one. Luis Renifo wound up getting his sixth home run season, and Aime Barilla wound up being pretty much a pseudo-opener. Two scoreless settings, and then from there, Jonathan Diaz wound up being the boat guy for the LA Angels. So, got a little bit of this and that going on. The Toronto Blue Jays wind up taking down the Minnesota Twins, and this was very beneficial for the Cy Young hopes of Robbie Reyes. He wound up, and he came out and had a great start. Six innings pitch, winds up giving up one run. Adam Simber, Tim Mazza both give you a scoreless inning, and then Trevor Richards cleans things up in the ninth inning for the Blue Jays. A trio of home runs. Taz Hernandez, 31st home run season. Marcus Simeon, 43rd home run season. George Springer is 18th home run the campaign as Mr. John Gant winds up being pretty much an opener de jour in this one, giving up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of three innings. From there, you wind up getting two scoreless innings out of Giovanni Moran. You wind up having Luke Farrell come in. He gives up a solo home run in his inning. Kyle Bearclaw gives up a home run, two runs in total in his inning. And then Danny Colombe comes in for two innings. He winds up giving up a run in the process. This is a game in which it's a little bit airy, but the San Francisco Giants, as the Giants have a five-run lead as I'm recording this in the eighth inning after putting up a three-spot in the eighth inning, and apparently they are not done as for the Giants. This is one in which Anthony Scalfani did not necessarily give his best stuff, only winds up going four innings, giving up two runs in the process, but bullpen has been solid. Darlin Garcia, Tyler Rogers both provide a scoreless inning, and then Jose Alvarez and Zach Liddell combined for a scoreless inning, and Brandon Belt, pair of home runs in this one. 28th and 29th home runs of the season, John Gray, 55 shades of John Gray, winds up giving up both of those, giving up four runs in total over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Jordan Sheffield from there comes out of the bullpen, gives up three runs while providing one 
out Lucas Gilbreth, Daniel Bart, and be able to combine for seven outs, but certainly going the way of the San Francisco Giants. And there are still a few games that are wrapping up as I do this, but here's what we're seeing across baseball when it comes to league-wide trends. We're going to be diving more into team-based trends, starting pitcher trends in the next segment. I'm going to give you a little bit of a roundup of that, but over the last seven days, we have seen home teams really struggle. 42 and 49, we're going to get into the last 30 days, but it's a similar story there as favorites are 50 and 40 over the last seven days with unders having a small disadvantage of overs. 45 overs, 44 unders, so relatively even-steven there. If you're noticing over the last three days, it's been relatively 50-50 on the totals. 195 unders, 182 overs, so the under seems to be, once again, progressing as home teams in the time span, 194 and 207. That's a 48.4% clip. Meanwhile, favorites, they've been drying up a little bit, winning at a rate of 57% over the last 30 days at 225 and 170. And if you're looking at the season to date, favorites, winning 59.3% of the time, 1354 and 930. Home teams are 1237 and 1070, so winning at a rate of about 53.6%. Meanwhile, unders have a lead on overs of 1,104 unders and 1,090 overs. So that's what we're all seeing league-wide in Major League Baseball, but how about if we dive into some of these team trends? Let's take a look at how some of these starting pitchers are performing, where the money's being made with regards to some of what we've been seeing over the last 30 days, over the last few months when it comes to these guys. Let's also take a look at some of the pitchers that have been very good to the over, very good to the under, and some of the teams as well. Also, some of the teams that you might want to be backing on the money line rather than the run line with their one-run wins. So, going to be giving you just a little bit of a roundup of a bunch of trends that we're seeing with teams and starting pitchers on the other side in Major League Baseball right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We do not have a guest today, so instead, decided that I would give you guys a little bit of a roundup as to some of the trends that we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, because as we know, even with some of the teams that they're not going to be going to the postseason, you are going to be getting at minimum one more start out of these guys, as we know, going into the postseason. Some of these teams are looking a little bit better, a little bit worse, and I just want to point out some of the things that I'm noticing right now. Personally, one thing that I'm noticing is that You've got yourself a team, the St. Louis Cardinals, that's winning a whole bunch of games as they have won 15 straight as I record this podcast, so that's a very obvious one, but looking more at things that are a little bit less obvious, we've been noticing one starter provide a whole bunch of overs for betters. That'd be Julio Arias. We go all the way back to last year with this trend, and he's going to be taking the bump on Sunday. Out of his last 38 starts, 12 of them have gone under the total, so he's been a little bit of an over machine, and you take a look at some of the best starters to the overall of baseball. So far this year, we've seen Julio Arias be right around 15 and 12 to the over, so you wound up having a lot of his starts dating back to last year wind up going over, but we've seen a couple guys that you wouldn't necessarily expect be good over pitchers. This is according to Covers.com. Wade Miley has went 18, 9, and 1 to the overs so far this year, so right around 66% of his starts have wound up going over the total. That's just because he's Cincinnati Reds have provided a lot of runs for him. Kevin Gosman, he's going to be going on Sunday as well. What we've noticed with Kevin Gosman is that he wound up getting off to this lightning hot start to the season. He's backed up by a really good offense, and ever since he's regressed a little bit, we've been noticing a lot of overs with him. His over rate is right around 63%. According to covers in his 31 starts, 19 of them have wound up going over. Lucas Chilito, another guy that's going to be going on Sunday. We have seen 17 out of his 29 starts wind up going over the total. Unjin Ryu, it's going to be unknown if we were going to be getting him 
anymore this season, but right around 60% of his starts have wound up going over the total, so that is something that has been very intriguing. Meanwhile, if you want a good underpitcher, that would be Robbie Ray. As we know, he is currently up for the Cy Young Award, and it's been really fascinating to just watch Robbie Ray in general. We wound up seeing him taking the bump on Saturday, so I'm doing this as we do not know what wound up happening in that start, but he has played right around two-thirds of his games overall to the under so far this year across his first 29 starts, 18 of them wound up going under the total. Now, we've seen a couple more overs recently in these starts against the Tampa Bay Rays. They wound up having that, and you may recall on September 5th, the game in which against the Oakland A's was like 7 to nothing in the third inning, magically wound up going under the total, but Robbie Ray, having given up three runs or fewer in 19 out of his last 20 starts going into yesterday, has been a good under pitcher. Matt Max Scherzer, we all know about this guy. The Dodgers have won all 10 of his starts, so if you've taken the Dodgers on the money line every time Max Scherzer has taken the bump, well, he's been very profitable for you. He's got a sub-2 ERA with the Dodgers, and overall this year, in both of his starts with the Nationals along with the Dodgers, right around 36 of them have gone over the total as he's got 10 overs to 18 unders thus far, and you've been noticing Adam Wainwright as well. He's been able to come on very strong for the St. Louis Cardinals, wound up getting shelled in his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers, but three runs are fewer, given up in now 14 out of his last 17 starts. He's played right around 60% of his starts to the under as he's got 18 unders at 13 overs, so those are a couple guys that have been really standing out to me, and when you just take a look at teams that have been very good to the over, the best team to the over at home in the American League, and this is with their result on Saturday pending. This has been going back and forth a little bit between they and the Arizona Diamondbacks with regards to best overrate in all baseball, but that would actually be the LA Angels, and what's interesting about the LA Angels, and I think that we're going to have a couple more betting opportunities for the rest of the season, is that they've been really doing a bad job at offense recently. In September, going into yesterday, they were averaging 3.3 runs per game. That is by far the fewest runs per game of any team in September, and they've scored the second fewest runs per game ever since the All-Star break, yet going into yesterday, 61% of their games overall this year at home have wound up going over the total. I think that many of you guys could guess who the best under team at home has been so far this year. That'd be the New York Mets with right around 60.5% of their home games going under the total. It's just been a hot mess with that lineup, and Oh, by the way, if you're going to be taking a look at my New York Post pick, I'm going to be giving out in the next segment. It is going to be involving the New York Mets, and it is going to be involving the total, so there's a little bit of a spoiler there, but I mean, a lot of these I think are pretty predictable. The Baltimore Orioles have been a very good over team, not necessarily because of their offense, but because they've got a bullpen that has just completely lit games on fire right around 57.5% of their games have wound up going over the total, and that's a big part of what we're finding with regards to a lot of these teams as well. We've noticed that a lot of bullpens that were were very good at the beginning of the year. They regress and regress badly. We're seeing this currently with the San Diego Padres. With the Padres, they wound up entering into the month of August with the best bullpen ERA in all baseball. But let's take a look now at the last 30 days and what they've been able to do. And it is not too good. Pending the results of their game against the Atlanta Braves on Saturday, they have the fifth worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues over the last 30 days within that time span of 526 ERA. Go figure the Baltimore Orioles have the worst bullpen ERA in that time span, but another team fighting for the postseason, they've really regressed, and it's why we haven't seen a lot of value with the Oakland A's, and a reason why we've seen quite a few totals with them go over recently. That would be a 549 ERA for the Oakland A's with their bullpen over the last 30 days. That is the third worst in baseball in that time span. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to be having a bullpen game on Sunday, and you want to note that their bullpen ERA over the last 30 days, a 484, I mean, let's face it, 
Nobody ever talks about the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen being terrific, but the Houston Astros bullpen as well. This has been a little bit of an issue for them. They've got a bullpen area of right around 4-5-6, and the Houston Astros have been a team that they've been playing quite a few overs recently as well. Now, a lot of that is because they wind up playing against the LA Angels, a team in which they've been just giving up the runs of plenty, and it's been absolutely amazing to see, but that is certainly of note. Something else of note has been the Seattle Mariners, one of those teams that is alive for the postseason. We have seen really, other than Yusei Kikuchi starts, the pitching be very good for the team. Entering into their series against the LA Angels, they had the top ERA in the month of September of any team in baseball. And going into Saturday's game, 14-3 and in their last 17 road games. So if you're wondering how the Seattle Mariners are still out there, that's a big reason why. And in this time span, they've been able to pull off a bunch of one-run wins. They've been able to pull off three of them in this span. They've had a couple more at home that are not factored in because this is row games only. But if you're taking a look at teams and how they've been able to do in one-run games, the Seattle Mariners are towards the top of the list. So you might want to trend a little bit lightly on the run line as going into Saturday, the Seattle Mariners 33 wins by approximately one run. It's been absolutely insane to be able to watch that. To put that into perspective, going into Saturday, you wind up having no other team wind up having more than 30 wins by one run. That other team is the Philadelphia Phillies. They've been having a little bit of a flair for the dramatic recently. The San Francisco Giants, they're 29-16 and 16 in one-run games themselves, but that has been something that you do want to watch. And what else has been very interesting to watch is some of these top offenses in baseball because I think when I tell you that the Astros are number one in baseball when it comes to runs per game, there's very few people that are surprised. The Toronto Blue Jays being there at number three, that's something that's not necessarily a shock to a lot of people. But how about number two? The Tampa Bay Rays, and a big reason why they're averaging 5.7 runs per game on the road. They're averaging more like 4.95, so depending on how you round it, 4.9 to 5 runs per game at home, which is still relatively solid, but they've got a whole bunch of mashers. We always laud the Tampa Bay Rays for the fact that they do a great job with their bullpen, just having everyone hashtag do their job, and that certainly has been the case. And then a team that has been much better on offense on the road than at home, that'd be the St. Louis Cardinals. They've got the biggest differential from home to road of any team in baseball, and that's to the positive on the road, I should say, because obviously you've got the Colorado Rockies with their just ridiculous splits, but the St. Louis Cardinals this year averaging 3.8 runs per game at home, 4.9 runs per game on the road. These home and road splits have really been coming through big. So the stat that I want to mention about the Seattle Mariners a minute ago, that is something that you do want to know because we have noticed a lot of teams, a lot of the Colorado Rockies, really struggle on the road. Though I will say for the Colorado Rockies, they're currently at home, but they've been 18-17 and in their last 35 road games after starting the year 6-33 and on the road. So if you've been evolving, if you've been taking a look at these Colorado Rockies games a little bit differently recently, that has been good for you. And what we've noticed with the St. Louis Cardinals is that out of their last five wins, each out of their last five, all of which have come on the road, all of those games have wound up going over. Meanwhile, this has been a team that has been very solid to the under when it comes at home as well. And then if you're taking a look at hot slash cold pitchers right now, Carlos Hernandez of the Kansas City Royals, I think that he's probably going to wind up getting one more start this year. The Royals have actually been very good in his starts, and they've been backing him up with a bullpen that ranks in the top eight in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. And for Carlos Hernandez, team is 8-2 and two in his last 10 starts, so he certainly has been able to do a 
good job. The man that we wound up seeing taking the mound for the Baltimore Orioles yesterday, Chris Ellis, if we wind up getting one more start out of him, that's going to be very beneficial because the Orioles are now 5-1 and one in Chris Ellis' last six starts. It's absolutely insane to be able to watch a guy like that on a poopy Baltimore Orioles team be able to give you a little bit of something. So that's something that you do want to be taking a look at. As we know, Monday is going to be a little bit of a shorter slate. And what you want to be noting with the Seattle Mariners is that they've been able to do a very solid job in Chris Flexen's starts as well. Flexen wound up having a situation which he was doing very good at home and then was struggling a little bit on the road. But ever since, I would say really the beginning of the month of July, he's really been able to rein this in. And you take a look at what Flexen has been able to do overall. He has been able to lead the team to victory in quite a few of his starts as they are now 5-2 and two in his last seven starts. The Oakland A's, as I mentioned, they have been certainly scuffling recently. So you want to be taking a look at that. And if, if you wind up getting Zach Greinke to make a start for the Houston Astros, for the rest of the season slash into the postseason. That is something that I'm going to be taking a look at as well because we were supposed to get Zach Greinke on Friday against the Oakland A's that wound up not happening, but the team has been 2-8 and eight in his last 10 starts. It's a big reason why I wound up writing that one up for the New York Post. That's something that I certainly am going to be taking a look at. Something else I'm taking a look at is the Yankees all of a sudden playing better against the Boston Red Sox. They are now 8-3 and three in their last 11 games against the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox began the year taking each out of the first seven against the New York Yankees. So if you're looking at that rivalry matchup, obviously that's going to be on Sunday Night Baseball. That is something that you do want to take a look at. And something else that you want to take a look at is ever since the All-Star break, we have seen a couple teams wind up progressing. Obviously, the Baltimore Orioles have just been absolutely terrible throughout the entire season, whether that be during the first half of the season, whether that being during the second half of the season, whether that be on planet Pluto. They have just not been good, but one team that has really been able to emerge and has been able to give you a really good effort here in the back half of the season, that would be the Detroit Tigers. If you're looking ever since the All-Star break, because this is a team that I believe that at their worst, they were 12 games below 500, but post-All-Star break, when it comes to total wins in Major League Baseball, this is a Tigers team that they ranked 12th. Ever since the All-Star break, with Saturday's results pending, this is a team that has gone now 35 and... 28. So they've been able to provide you a whole lot of money if you've been betting them on the money line. And if you're looking at the Chicago Cubs, who we know wound up having that fire sale ever since the All-Star break, they have not been good. 23 and 42. So if you've been wanting to take a look at the Chicago Cubs and try to find you a little bit of value, that is not good. And just how bad has it been for the San Diego Padres? This is with the result against the Atlanta Braves on Saturday. Pending, by the way, just to throw that in there. But going into that game, because the suspended game from Friday did not wind up carrying over. That winds up reverting back to July. This is a bunch that they had been 11-27 and 27 in their last 38 games. I mean, my goodness gracious, if you want a team that has absolutely hit the skids and has provided you absolutely nothing of value, there it is. And if you're looking at the teams that have been able to do the best job of being able to pull out wins, the San Francisco Giants and the LA Dodgers. Going into Saturday, both of these teams, 43 wins, the Dodgers 20 losses in that time span, the Giants 22 losses, but no question, they have both been big giant money makers for you, and the guy that has really been the money maker for you, for the San Francisco Giants, Logan Webb, in his last 19 starts, the San Francisco Giants are 17-2, and two. he has allowed two runs or fewer in 16 out of those starts as well, so... He, no question, has been magnificent for the San Francisco Giants who have surprised everyone. And something that Oddshark has that I think is pretty cool is that they've got money one slash money loss 
for pitchers throughout the season. So this is if you wind up putting a $100 bet on the money line of that pitcher starts just throughout the season. Logan Webb ranks number two in 24 starts. If you wind up putting down $100 for every one of his starts, you'd be up $1,110. Chris Flexen, I mentioned a little bit earlier, he's number one on that list. If you put down $100 on every one of his starts, according to Odd Shark, you're up $1,452. But a couple surprising guys are actually on the Detroit Tigers, who I mentioned a little bit earlier have been good ever since the All-Star break. Casey Mize in his 29 starts, you'd be up $916. Tyler Alexander, you'd be up $1,063 if you just put $100 on the money line for every one of his starts. Chris with K. Bubich is going to be taking the bump on Sunday, ironically enough, against the Detroit Tigers. If you've put $100 on every one of his 18 starts, you're up $1,074. And then you got a couple guys that are a little bit less surprising. Adam Wainwright, if you put $100 on every one of his starts, you're up $761 across his 31 starts. If you bet every one of Chris Ellis' starts, by the way, I mentioned a bit earlier for the Baltimore Orioles as being a guy that's emerging, you'd be up $920 just in his six starts. Logan Gilbert has been a good one. He has made 22 starts for the Seattle Mariners. You'd be up $844 on M. Carlos Hernandez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. 11 starts, up $719. So you've got a lot of those guys that will be able to do a relatively solid job. And then, ironically enough, in that Bubich matchup, he's going to be opposed by Willie Peralta, who, if you've bet on him in his 16 starts, you're up $604. So I think that this is a really unique tool. I think that it's a lot of fun to be able to take a look at that. And if you're looking for the biggest fades in baseball, I think that a lot of people have sort of a foregone conclusion on some of these guys. Jake Arrieta right now the biggest one. Hopefully someone winds up picking him up and giving him one last gasp. As if you bet $100 on every one of Jake Arrieta's starts between the Chicago Cubs and the San Diego Padres, you're down $1,179. So a congratulations there. Colby Allard in his 17 starts. If you've been bold enough to take those, you're down $770. Mike Fultonavich, his teammate, if you've taken him in his 24 starts, you're down $727. I think this one might surprise a lot of people. Maybe not as much. Luis Castillo, if you bet on him $100 in every one of his 32 starts, you're down $1,154. As you may remember, the Reds wound up going 1-9 in his first 10 starts, which really mars this. So if you've been betting him after that, it hasn't been necessarily as bad. But Dane Gitter Dunning, Zappinger Dunning, he's another guy that's going to be going on Sunday, so we'll highlight him in his 23 starts. If you bet $100 on the money line in every one of his starts, you were down $687. And then a little bit interesting that John Gray is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies on Sunday as well. You'd be down $569 if you bet him for $100 in every one of his 27 starts. I think that this would be very different if you'd be betting him home to road. And Robbie Ray, the perhaps Cy Young Award winner in the American League, if you bet $100 on him in his 30 starts just because the Blue Jays are such a favorite, you'd be down $320. So I think that that's a little bit intriguing to take a look at. So those are just some trends that I wanted to share with you guys. I think that it is very important that you're just taking a look at some of these stats overall for the season and sort of melding that with what we've seen post-All-Star break, what we've been seeing over the last... 30 days. I think that that's going to be very big, especially when it comes to these bullpens of these teams are going to be making the postseason, which was why I wound up highlighting why the Oakland A's are right now falling out, why the San Diego Padres have gone to mush as well. And also, when it comes to bullpen ERA over the last 30 days, if you're also looking for another one that's struggling that we know is going to be making the postseason, that'd be the Milwaukee Brewers going into their game on Saturday. They ranked 23rd in the big leagues of bullpen ERA over the last 30 days at a 475. And as we know, the offense had really been scuffling with Willie Thomas being out the fold. Meanwhile, the second best bullpen ERA in the last three days 
going into yesterday was actually the Minnesota Twins at a 285. So just one of those, the more you know sort of things at the Reds. Number five, actually, with regards to bullpen ERA in that time span as well with a 322. So obviously, you're probably not going to be putting the Cincinnati Reds or the Minnesota Twins within your top bullpen ERAs, but certainly is fun to take a look at. So you want to be just doing a good balancing act with this. You want to be just keeping up with some of these guys and how they are moving about throughout the year. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Figured that it would be a nice way to be able to take a look at something here on this lovely Sunday as we are getting prepared for the last week of the regular season and then what is going to be a good postseason push. So coming up next, a lot of the guys I want to mention in the last segment, they're going to be on the bump for Sunday. Going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday and a little something like call, touch them all on the other side. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a side total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday. And a little something like call, touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it. So it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore D1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. We've got a lot of pitchers that are already set. We've got one or two that are still TBD, but at this point, we are looking pretty good on this front as we are going to be beginning with that first National League game of 901-902 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates walk the plank to Philadelphia to face off against the Phillies. To be determined is going to be going for the Phillies, but I can tell you right now, they've been using this slot as a bullpen game, so you're going to get the poo-poo platter of Philadelphia Phillies pitchers. Meanwhile, Max Karanek is going to be going for the Buccos. Right now, this is a game that's off the board pretty much everywhere just because a lot of people are determining who specifically is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies to open this one up. And for the Phillies, they're going to have a lot of options because they wound up getting a shutout of the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday with Ranger Suarez being able to give this team a complete game. So everyone is going to be available in this one. Archie Bradley, you are going to have, unfortunately, some of these guys like Bailey Falter and company, but I would not be surprised if you wind up seeing a little bit of an effort from Ramon Rosso. He's been used for a couple innings recently in these sorts of situations. So I do think that's going to be fascinating to see what we wind up getting here. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the Pittsburgh Pirates, we've got a guy in Kranich who wound up pitching five scoreless innings to begin his career with the Pirates against the St. Louis Cardinals. And ever since then, it's been downhill. If you wind up excluding that, he's got an ERA that hovers right around a nine. He's given up three plus runs in each out of his last five starts. He actually hasn't given up the deep ball too much. Two home runs given up in his last five starts, but certainly a man that is giving out a lot of walks as his walks per nine rate hovering right around about 4.2. And then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and they're just not generating much offense whatsoever. You've got Cabrian Ace along with Ben Gamble and Wilmer Defoe along right around in the neighborhood of about a 248 to a 267. Kyle Moran is in that fold as well. Brian Reynolds, 24 home runs. He's been able to do 295. And Yoshi Satsugo ever since coming over to Pittsburgh, hitting just below 300. He's been able to supply eight home runs in about 35 games. Then you've got Anthony Alford, Cole Tucker, along with Kaye Tom. You're able to throw in there Michael Perez. List goes on and on of guys hitting a 220 or lower for this team. Then for the Philadelphia Phillies, Gene Segura hitting a 295 for this bunch. 
Bryce Harper now has 18 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August. He has been absolutely insane with a 433 on base. JT Remito is giving you a 270. They've got a couple guys in between about a 245 to 250. We haven't seen Travis Janikowski much recently, but he's been able to give you a tad bit of something in these last few games along with Luke Williams. You're able to throw in there Ronald Torres, so you got a little bit of something going on there. This is a spot in which I wound up saying the Philadelphia Phillies has a pretty solid favorite. Max Kranich just is not good, and I recognize that the Phillies bullpen is far from great, but the good news is they're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are scoring the fewest runs per game of any team out there in baseball, so said the solo at an 8.7, so an 8.5 or lower going to be taking a look at the overnight or higher to the under. I wound up saying the Phillies at minus 208 on the money line and minus 123 on laying a run and a half on the run line. 9-3, 9-4 on the bang board. The Washington Nationals hit the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on at Cincinnati and they're on to Tyler Molly getting the start for them. Meanwhile, Josh Rogers is in the neighborhood for the start as you've got the total on this game at 9.5. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even minus 110. If you're looking at the Reds, anywhere between minus 171 and minus 180 is your price. Plus 155 to plus 159 is what you've got here with the Washington Nationals. And for Mr. Rogers, he's actually been able to do a relatively solid job here for the Washington Nationals. The Nationals team, which, well, this season is badly lost, but you take a look at Rogers. He's made four starts. He's got right around a 2-1-5 ERA. He's given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts. Three runs or fewer in all four of them. He has given up three home runs in 25 innings, but I mean, you're certainly going to take that if you're the Washington Nationals. Not much of a swing and miss guy, but considering his ERA with the poopy Baltimore Orioles was north of eighth the last few years, you're going to take that. And then with Tyler Molly, well, he has not been good at home. How about a 6-10 ERA at home compared to a buck 85 on the road? This is the most demonstrative home-to-road split we've seen in all of baseball, really, this year. And it's him being worse at home, which I think is absolutely startling. 19 home runs and 72 in the third innings given up at home. Five bombs and 97 innings given up on the road. And on the road, opponents are getting a buck 92 off of him. 280 when he's in Cincinnati. Now, when he's in Cincinnati, he does have an offense that backs him up with quite a bit of power. Now, you've been without Jesse Winker for quite a while, along with Taylor Naquin, but you still got a trio of guys that have been able to give you north of 25 home runs so far this year, and Eugenio Suarez, Nick Cassianos, along with Joey Vato, and then Jonathan India at the top of the fold right around a 370 on base. He's been able to give you 20 home runs at that spot as well, so that's been solid. Tyler Stevenson, he's hitting right around a 280. Max Schrock has been able to hit above a 300, but now you're having to throw out there guys like Jose Barreo, along with TJ Friedel out there in the outfield. That's not necessarily what you want. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals, and Juan Soto entered into Saturday with right around a 470 on base. He's trying to make a case for MVP. 29 home runs, 325 batting average. Certainly has been on a poopy team, but his numbers have been absolutely amazing. Josh Bell's been able to supply 27 home runs. He's hitting a 255, but outside of those two guys, not a single player in the starting lineup for the Nationals had more than six home runs. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Yadiel Hernandez whenever he's been out there, hitting right around 275. But I will say, Kibar Ruiz recently has been able to do a very good job ever since getting traded to the Nationals. He's hitting just below 300. Lane Thomas with the Nationals is hitting right around 300. LCDs Escobar, a 285. Even Jody Mercer has been able to give you a little bit of something. Then you take a look at the Nationals bullpen, and Kyle Finnegan has been very solid for this team. A sub-3 ERA, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of some like a Mason Thompson as well. So that has been solid. Wander, I swear this guy sucks, is currently on the injured list. So that's actually very good. Ryan Harper has seen regression, but still right around a 3-2-ish ERA. Then you take a look at the Reds, and Michael Givens has been giving you some pretty solid innings. See what I did there, but you've also been able to get a little bit of something out of Luis Sessa. He's been a good addition to this bullpen. Lucas Sims has been a little bit up and down. He's been a tad bit better recently, though. It's going to be really fascinating because I do think that there's going to be positive progression here for Tyler Molly at home. This is a spot in which I need 
needed more like a plus 180 to be able to take a shot here on the Washington Nationals, just taking a look at this offense. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Reds, I'm finding that right around a plus 105, even a couple straight plus 110s. I was willing to lay a small price, so I'm going to take the Washington Nationals on the run line because I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. I think that regression is going to come in for Mr. Rogers. I set this all at 10.1, so going over along with that Reds run line. My New York Post play of the day is 905-906 on the betting board. The New York Metropolitans hit the road face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. For the Brewers, you've got Freddie Peralta is going to be going on the bump. Meanwhile, one Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the New York Mets. I saw initial totals on this game at 8. This has currently been pulled off the board, but I can tell you right now, I've got a total of this game of 9.3. The initial lines I was seeing... Well, they were much, much lower than that. So the New York Post play today is going to be the over. And the big reason why is because I take a look at Freddie Peralta and just everything that he has been doing ever since coming off the injured list. I don't necessarily like it. He's had a north of four ERA ever since coming off the injured list. In his previous 16 starts, opponents have been hitting right around a buck 45 off of him. Ever since coming off the injured list, that's a bit too bad. It's been more like a 225, but you've seen a massive rise in that. He also wound up giving up six home runs in north of 89 innings in his previous 16 starts. He has allowed three in his last four starts, so he certainly is not the same guy. And then you take a look at Carlos Carrasco, and well, it has not been good for him to say the least. He's given up nine home runs in 44 and two-thirds innings. Now, I do recognize that Mr. Cookie has actually been a little bit better on the road so far this year, but the sample size for Carlos Carrasco on the road is very small. Three starts spanning 14 and a third innings, and one of those starts was in Miami, which it's as pitcher-friendly as it gets, and opponents are still hitting a 279 off of him whenever he is on the road. You take a look at this New York Metropolitan team, and you do have a pair of guys that have north of 30 home runs. Javi Baez, Beat Alonso. Both of these guys, you're able to throw in there Jonathan VR and Jeff McNeil as well. Only between about a 252 and 265, you've been able to get a little bit of something recently out of Francisco Lindor. 230 batting average overall for the year, but wound up having that three home run game against the New York Yankees a little bit ago. You take a look at him over the last three days. He's been able to hit a 260, and he's been able to supply six home runs. So he's been able to come along a little bit. You've got a guy in James McCann who's only getting a 235, and that's really been a bugaboo for the team along with Michael Conforto. Just not getting online. Then you take a look at the Milwaukee Bears and Williams. Thomas is back in the fold, and that is so critical for this offense. The Milwaukee Brewers average more than a run less per game whenever Willie Adamas is out versus when he's in, so that is something that you do take a look at, and with the Brewers, got a lot of guys hitting between about a 245 to a 250. Christian Yelich, Eduardo Escobar, Luis Urias, along with Tyrone Taylor, and with Escobar, he's been able to give you 28 home runs, obviously, Garcia, he supplied 29 bombs as he, Willie Adamas, and Colton Wong for the year, in between about a 264 to a 274, but with Adamas, ever since coming to Milwaukee, hitting more like a 285, Omar Nervais is hitting about a 280 as well. Then you take a look at the Brewers, and their bullpen over the last three days has actually been in the bottom six of the big leagues with regards to ERA. You still have Devin Williams along Josh Hader, but it feels like they're trying to preserve those guys a little bit more. They've been trotting out there. Guys like Daniel Norris along with Miguel de Sanchez, and we have seen Brad Boxberger just not look good for this team recently. He was very solid up until really the latter half of August. He's got over the last three days a 1080 ERA. Yeah, that is not good. And then with the Mets, we have seen a couple guys like Miguel Castro wind up regressing a little bit. It seems like Seth Lugo is starting to tire out a little bit as well. So this is fine in which a New York Post play of the day is the over because I wound up saying this total a little bit north of nine personally. The initial numbers I wound up seeing as this game has been pulled off the board as I do this podcast were more like an eight. So I was seeing a full run differential, which is why I wound up going with that. So if you're looking at the money line slash run line in the spot, I wound up saying the Milwaukee Brewers at minus 177 on the 
money line. If you're able to get pretty much any sort of a plus price on the run line, would advocate for that. And like I said, New York Post play today, we're going over. 907, 908 on the bang board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing us to the St. Louis Cardinals. The Woodford, Jake Woodford, is going to be going for the Cardinals. Keegan Thompson is going to be going for the Cubs. We have no total up on this game since it is a Wrigley Field game, but you've got the St. Louis Cardinals find themselves between minus 151 and minus 160. Meanwhile, your plus price with Chicago is anywhere between plus 139 and plus 145. I'm seeing wind blowing out and blowing to right field a little bit, so I wound up setting this total at a 10.8, which means a 10.5 or lower. I'm going to be taking a look at the over 11 or higher. Then I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but when it comes to Cardinals, I'm going to lay up to about a minus 115 on the run line as I wound up making them more like a minus 160 on the money line. You take a look at Woodford and it's not like he's necessarily been great but at the same time for one, he is backed up by the St. Louis Cardinals who have now won 15 straight games, which is just absolutely absurd. And two, he's going to be going up against a guy in Keegan Thompson that hasn't had a lot of starting experience himself. Now, Jake Woodford, he wound up coming out of the bullpen actually as recently as a few weeks ago. But by and large, he's actually been able to do a lot of his best work on the road and he's done a good job of just being able to limit the amount of walks and the amount of deep ball that he's given up as well. Overall for the year, he has given up right around three and a half-ish walks per nine innings, but he's been able to rein it in a little bit more recently, and especially on the road, 347 road ERA. He has been giving up, in terms of walks per nine, a little bit under three walks per nine whenever he's away from home, 237 batting average away from St. Louis compared to a 280 at home, giving up four bombs in 36 in the third innings. That's certainly going to fly. Meanwhile, you take a look at Keegan Thompson, and he's got overall a 340 ERA, but this is a man that has won four innings or fewer in every one of his appearances so far this year. He wound up having a big layoff from September 2nd until September 19th in between appearances as well, so that's something that you take a look at. He's given up on a home runs per nine rate right around about 1.4 to 1.5 and he's backed up by a bullpen that well, ever since he got rid of Ryan DeBear along with Craig Kimbrell and company, it's not necessarily been great. Scott Efrost has actually been able to give you a couple outings, but Michael Rucker is someone with an ERA as hovering right around an 8-ish. Rowan Wick has a 450 ERA. Adam Morgan's actually been able to give you a little bit of something along with Cody Hoyer, but it certainly is not great. Then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and TJ McFarland has been good for the team. Alex Reyes, ever since being pulled out of the closer spot, has been able to rein it in a little bit more. Cody Whitley has been able to give you some good innings and with the St. Louis Cardinals. You've just got a whole bunch of guys that they know their role and and they're all just pushing the pendulum forward pretty much at this point. As you've got Yadier Molina, Nolan Arenado, you're able to throw in there Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, all in between about a 254 to a 265. You've got Tyler O'Neill and Paul Goldschmidt. Both north of 30 home runs so far this year with Paul Goldschmidt. It is absolutely amazing what we're seeing out of him right now. You take a look at him ever since the beginning of the month of August, and he's got 13 home runs. He's been hitting right in the pocket of about a 350. So he has really been able to come on for this team. You've even been able to get a little bit of something. You got a Paul DeYoung recently, and then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs, and Frank Schwindel has been very good for the team. He's hitting right around 335, nine home runs over the last three days, and Ian App, ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's been able to emerge as well. He's got in this time span. 13 home runs. He's been able to do a good job supplying a batting average just below a 300 ever since the beginning of the month of August. Last 30 days overall, more like a 325. But then you've got David Bodie, Sergio Contra, both of the Romines, Trace Thompson. You're able to throw in there Jason Hayward whenever he's been out there. List goes on and on of guys are hitting at 215 or lower. Matt Duffy's hitting at 275 and Nico Horner, whenever he's been out there, has been able to provide a little bit of something, but this is a spot in which looks like the wind is going to be blowing out, so a 10.5 or lower, I'm going to be taking a look at the over 11 or higher to the under, and going to be probably taking a look at the Cardinals on the run line. Willing to lay up to about a minus 115-ish on this one. Depends a little bit on the wind, but that's where we're looking there. 909-910 on the betting board. we got the Colorado Rockies, and they're going to be playing those San Francisco Giants. Kevin Gosman going to be going for the Giants. 
Antonio Sensatella is going to be on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. Rockies are finding themselves as a rocky underdog. Anywhere between plus 145 and plus 156. Meanwhile, with the Yantes, anywhere between minus 165 and minus 170 is your price. 11 to 11.5 is your total. On the 11, over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. 11.5 finds the under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over anywhere between even a minus 105. For Gosman, we have seen quite a bit of regression with him. No way fans are butts about it, but he's actually been able to do his best work all year long on the road as compared to at home. Now, he is at Coors Field, but 237 road ERA, 364 home ERA. On the road, he has given up the deep ball a little bit more. 102 and a third innings, 12 home runs surrendered. Meanwhile, that's seven home runs in 76 and two-thirds innings at home, but has been able to do a great job of being able to get swings and misses right around 10 punch outs for nine innings whenever he has been on the road. But you do take a look at him over his last few starts, and things have not necessarily been so rosy for him. Here in the month of September, he's made five starts. He's got right around a 533 ERA, has given up four home runs over the course of his last two starts. So that has been a little bit of an issue. The team is just three and three in his last six starts. But then you take a look at Antonio Sensatella, and he's been able to, by and large, be able to do a very solid job. But he is coming off of one of his lesser starts from the post-All-Star break period as he winds up giving up four runs over the course of six innings against the L.A. Dodgers. Before that, the team had actually won each out of his last four starts, and he had given up three runs or fewer in every one of them. And for Antonio Sensatella, he's been able to do a solid job at home. 404 ERA when you're pitching at course, that's pretty darn solid, especially giving up just five home runs over the course of 84 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are in 271 off of him. Not much of a swing and miss guy, but really post-all-star break, he's had a sub-3-3 ERA, so he's been able to rein it in there. But you just take a look at the San Francisco Giants lineup, and it is full of a whole bunch of guys that are able to take you deep. Plus, Raposi, Lamonte, Wade, Wilmer Flores, all with 18 home runs. Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, both of these guys north of 20 home runs. Mike Stromsky, north of 20 home runs. Pretty much all these guys, aside from you, Stromsky, are hitting at least at 255. You've been able to get some good production out of Evan Longoria. 13 home runs. His home runs per at-bat rate is right around one per every 16. He's hitting about a 290. Tommy Lascelles come back. He's been a good leadoff hitter for this team. They take a look at the Colorado Rockies, and they've got the best home batting average out there in the big leagues. Got so many guys that they just have not been able to hit on the road. Meanwhile, at home, they have been absolutely tremendous. You take a look at someone like an Elias Diaz on the road. He just has not been able to provide much of anything. Meanwhile, at home, this is a man that he's been able to hit right around a 275. You've got Trevor Sorry sitting right around Mendoza line on the road. At home, he's closer to right around a 285-ish. CJ Cron has hit 18 out of his 27 home runs at home. And you take a look at the Colorado Rockies as well. The bullpen is just has not been good for the team. Bottom five with regards to ERA. You have been able to get a little bit of something out of Daniel Bart at home. On the road, he's got like an 8-5 ERA. Meanwhile, it's sub-4 at home. It's absolutely insane. Lucas Gilbreth has a sub-3 ERA whenever he's in Coors as well. But these guys like a Tyler Kinley, Ash, and Gadu and company, they haven't necessarily been able to do the world's greatest job. Meanwhile, the Giants, top three bullpen with regards to ERA. Really, in every single span of the season that you look, number one overall, Kervin Castro has really been able to do a good job for this team. Jarlin Garcia has been able to give you some nice innings. Tyler Rogers has come and he's been able to hold down the fort along with Dominique Leon. So I do take a look at this spot despite the fact that Gosman has been struggling a little bit recently. So I have a lot of faith in him. If you're taking a look at the Giants run line, you're going to be finding this right around a minus 110 to a minus 115. I was willing to lay up to a minus 125. I set the Giants more around a minus 180 on the money line. So I'm going to be taking a shot here on the run line. Did wind up saying the soil at 10.7 as well with the way that Sensatella has pitched his second half of the season. So diving under, along with the Giants on the run line. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers set the road face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Umberto Mejia is going to be going for the D-backs. 
Odio Arias is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers find themselves in between minus 261 and minus 305. Your plus price with Arizona between plus 234 and plus 240. 9-9.5 is your total. On the 9.5, under is minus 120. Over is even. On the 9, under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. For Mejia, he just has not necessarily been able to find it. And I feel like you can throw this out there about almost every one of the Arizona Diamondbacks starters so far this year. A nice 7.20 ERA. Now, it's not like his home runs and walks per nine is necessarily too bad. Five walks and two homers give it up in 15 innings. He's just getting it, and he's getting it hard. It's also a small sample size. He's only made three starts, so in fairness there, that's not necessarily the world's biggest sample size, but he has seen opponents score at least six runs in all three of his starts because he has the Diamondbacks. Back him up with a very poopy bullpen. They've been using guys like a Jake Feria, Taylor Widener, failed starters as relievers. Joe Manette Tipley's been able to give you a little bit of something of the bullpen along Noe Ramirez and the ancient one Tyler Clifford as an ERA that hovers right around a 3-8, but it certainly has not been good for these guys. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Dodgers. Second best bullpen ERA coming into the series in all baseball. Guys like Justin Brule, Phil Beckford, Alex Vasilla, they've been able to come through and do a good job. Corey Knable, Blake trying these guys are a little bit more tried and true, and Bursuto Gradrell has really been able to find his good stuff recently. Then you take a look at the LA Dodgers. All these guys were in the starting lineup yesterday. All these guys, at least 20 homers with at least a 252 batting average. Max Muncie, Will Smith, Justin Turner down for what? Trey Turner down for what? Mookie Betts along with Chris Taylor. It is insane. Albert Pujols, whenever he's out there, has been able to supply some bombs. Corey Seager's hitting a 290. Every position player for the Dodgers hitting at least a 245 in their starting lineup yesterday. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you don't have a single player on the roster with more than 12 home runs. Now, you got quite a few guys with approximately 11 to 12 home runs in Dalton Varsho, Josh Ruas, Carson Kelly, Guitel Marte of the Marte Parte, and Mr. Marte Parte has a 325 batting average. So, you do have a little bit of something there, but you're kicking the tires on someone like an Iliermo Vargas. They've been giving Henry Ramos a couple stars, and it's just not good. And you just take a look at the Dodgers with Mr. Arias, and he is right now leading the MLB in wins. He's actually been at his best on the road. You take a look at it, and he's nearly got a full point lower ERA on the road than he does at home. 285 road ERA, 342 home ERA, 12 and 2 record. Whenever is away from LA, giving up 10 home runs and 98 innings on the road with opponents saying at 218 off of him. I think that he's going to be unhittable. Now, this is a jockey run line here, but you're finding the Dodgers right around about a minus 160 on that run line. I was willing to make it about a minus 175. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks are completely outgunned. And with Mr. Arias, he has seen about 70% of his last 30 starts go over the total. So, he has been an over machine recently. I set this all at 9.3. Right now, finding a lot of 9s out there. So, I'm going to be taking a 9 over, and I'm going to be taking the Dodgers on the run line. 9-13, 9-14 on the betting board. We've got no numbers up on this game as the Atlanta Braves hit the red face off against the Slam Diego Padres. Joe Musgrove is going to be going for the pods to be determined. Is going to be on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. It all depends on what the Atlanta Braves wind up doing. I know that there has been speculation as to whether or not Tuki Dusan is going to be able to get a start in this series or not. That has been something that we have been looking at with the Atlanta Braves. you got to figure that they are going to probably have all hands on deck in this spot. And if that is the case, I'm probably going to be setting this as more around a pick'em game where I wind up saying the Padres more around maybe like a minus 110-ish because you've got to figure that 
if you do wind up giving Tuki Toussaint the start, which it looks like he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, he's been up and down, that they're probably going to use him for a couple innings. Then you go to someone like a Jesse Chavez, who you're able to use for a couple innings. I know for a fact that you've got Sean Newcomb, who was originally a starter. You're able to get a little bit of length out of him. And this is a Braves bullpen that, ever since the All-Star break, has been in the top 10 with regards to ERA. All these guys, including Luke Jackson, Tyler Masek, have been able to do a good job for you. But then you take a look at Joe Musgrove, and he's really the one guy that you're able to rely upon for the San Diego Padres right now. Everyone else for the Padres has really been failing you. And Joe Musgrove deserves a little bit better than a 9-1 record. The team has been able to go 4-2 and two in his last six starts, so he has been a bright spot for the team, giving up three runs or fewer in all but one out of his last six starts, so he has been pretty solid for the team. Now, you do take a look at him in the month of September. In his four starts, he has given up five home runs, and he does have a 509 ERA, so he has been regressing a little bit, and this is an Atlanta Braves lineup that is very fearsome. You take a look at it, and you've got a quadrant of guys with at least 30 home runs. Ozzie Albies, Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall, and for Freeman and Riley, both of these guys are in right around a 300. You've got Ode Soler, who's got 24 home runs ever since the beginning of the year, but 17 since the beginning of the month of July. Ever since getting to Atlanta, he's hitting more like a 260. You've got Eddie Rosario hitting right around 260. Dansby Swanson, he's got 27 home runs. And then for the Padres, you got Fernando Tatis Jr. supplying 41 home runs, but you haven't necessarily been able to get much out of anyone else. You've got quite a few guys that may be able to get on base like a Manny Machado has a 280 batting average. Eric Cosmer, Jay Cronenworth, they're in between about a 260 to a 270. Will Myers is hitting a 255. You got guys like Jerickson Profar, Trent Grisham hitting in that pocket of about a 230 to 243 on their Tommy fan, but their on-base percentages are pretty solid, but they just have not been able to deliver for the seaman. This Padres bullpen is spent. I mean, they wound up having to use up their bullpen very, very early on in the year. You're using Nelson Lamette right now out of the bullpen. Javi Guerra is a guy that they're trying to rely upon for innings. Emilio Pagan has been a hot mess. Ryan Weathers has been a hot mess. I mean, the list goes on and on, but I do think that Musgrove is going to be able to land a relatively solid start. If it does wind up being Joe Musgrove against bullpen game slash Tuki Tucson of the Atlanta Braves. I'd be saying the Padres probably right around a minus 110-ish in this spot, and this would be a case in which an 8 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over an 8.5 or higher. I'd be taking a look at the under, but want to know a little bit more about the Braves in this spot, so check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Jaren's41 when more information becomes available. 915-916 on the bang board. The Kansas City Royals hit the road face-off against the Detroit Tigers. Willie Peralta is going to be going for the Tigres. Meanwhile, Chris with K. Bubich is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are finding themselves as right around a pick em. Anywhere between minus 104 to minus 110. The Tigers are anywhere between minus 104 to minus 110. Your tallest game is 9. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is between even and minus 105. I disagree with this pick and price. I think that the Tigers should be more like a minus 135-ish favorite because you take a look at Willie Peralta and on paper and you just say the name Willie Peralta starter and you think, man, this guy's not very good, but in 83 innings, he's given up 11 homers and he's got a 304 ERA. I mean, this is someone that he has given up three runs of fury in each out of his last six starts. The team has won three out of his last four starts. He has given up a combined one run in his last three starts. So he's actually been able to do a very solid job. And four out of his last five starts have actually gone under. So he's been a good under pitcher recently. Then you take a look at the Quiris with the K. Bubich. And hasn't necessarily been so great for him. He's got a road ERA of a 558 compared to a 397 at home. He's just supplying the deep ball whenever he's on the road. Five home runs given up in 56 and two-thirds innings at home. On the road, 16 bobs of 59 in two-thirds innings, and on the road, he's given up right around 4.8 walks per nine innings. Opponents are hitting only about a 252 off of him. He's actually able to get some swings and misses, but certainly just giving up that hard contact is currently hurting him. Then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, and you do have a couple guys that are supplying the boom for this team. Enzo Alberto, along Salvador Perez, Andrew Benatendi, with Merrifield. Only between about a 270 to a 280 with Mr. Salvador Perez. How about him? 
46 home runs and 115 RBI going into yesterday. The RBI leads the league. Nicky Lopez, he's been able to hit about a 308 Alberto Mondesi. It's good to see him back to full. He's been able to give you a little bit of something. And for the Detroit Tigers, we have noticed that the offense has regressed with the team a little bit. You've got Johnson Scope along with Eric Koss. You're able to throw in there Robbie Grossman as well. All guys giving you between about 21 to 24 home runs, but these guys have been in a little bit of a funk when it comes to going deep recently, but you have been able to have a couple guys be able to get on base for you. Akil Badu, Victor Reyes out there in the outfield, in between about a 252 to 260 with Grossman along Jamie Candelario. They both have right around a 350 on base. I know that Isaac Paredes is only in about a 225, but his on base is a 320. And then both of these teams, they've got top 10 bullpens in the big leagues ever since the all-star break for the Detroit Tigers. They are dealing with injuries to Jose Cicerno along with Gregory Soto, but They've been surprisingly been able to get some good innings out of Michael Fulmer, Jason Foley, along Kyle Funkhauser. They've been able to do a good job. And then for the Kansas City Royals, you've got Jake Brents along Scott Barlow providing you with some good innings. I like what I've seen out of Domingo Tapia and Josh Shamon as well. So this is a spot in which I'm setting the Detroit Tigers as a relatively solid favorite. I do think that Mr. Chris with the K Bubich gets lit up quite a bit as well. So set this all at 9.2. So going Tigers and the over in the spot. 917-918 on the main board. The Walker, Texas Rangers at the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. John Means. Hopefully he means business for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, Dane Gitter Dunning is going to be taking the bump for the Texas Rangers. NF is your total over and under. Anywhere between minus 1 and 5, minus 115 if you're taking a look at the Orioles. Anywhere between minus 122 and minus 125 is your price. Meanwhile, between a plus 105 and a plus 114 is what you've got on the Texas Rangers. For the Rangers, with Mr. Gitter Dunning, it certainly has been a tale of two different places as at home he has been very good. On the road, he has been absolutely terrible. And you do notice with Dane Dunning, he's been used for like a lot of three-inning doses recently, so you're going to be getting a lot of the Rangers' bullpen, but 665 road ERA, 0-7 in 12 total appearances, giving up eight home runs and 46 innings on the road, four bombs and 64 innings, giving up at home on the road, 314 opponents batting average at home at 250. He's got a 267 home ERA with a 5-2 record as well. Then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and you do have a pair of guys that have been able to give you at least 30 home runs in Cedric Mullins along with Ryan Mountcastle. With Mullins, he's hitting right around 300. Then you've got a lot of guys in between, I would say, about a 245 to about a 260. Ryan Mountcastle, Austin to say his kid, Trey Boomer Mancini, Anthony Santander, Richie Martin. So that's been solid. Now you have Pat Faleka, Jemai Jones. You're able to throw in there. Domingo Leyva, Calvin Gutierrez, Austin Wins, Nick Cufio. All these guys are in a 220 or lower throwing their DJ turn it up Stewart. But then you take a look at the Texas Rangers and you haven't necessarily been able to get a lot out of this team either. Brock Holt, Laoti, Tavares, DJ turn it up Peters. This goes on and on of their guys. They're in a 220 or lower. Now you do wind up returning Willie Cohn. He along with Nate Lowe, Isaiah Kinnair, Falefa, hitting between about 262 and 275. And then you got Adolis Garcia, who's been able to give you 30 home runs so far this year. Problem is, only three of them have have come in the last three days. Yoni Hernandez is giving me a tad bit of something. I will say for the Texas Rangers, bullpen hasn't necessarily been too bad. Joe Barlow has right around two ERA. Jarrell Cotton over the last three days has really been able to come alive as this is a guy that was really terrible at the beginning of the year. But last three days, over the course of his last 14 and a third innings, buck 88 ERA. So got a little bit of something going on there. Spencer Patton has been able to give you some good innings. And then you've got an Orioles bullpen that, well, they are not good and that's putting it politely. You've got Tanner Scott currently on the injured list. Cole Solzer has been able to give you a little bit of something. But when you've got 
guys like Fernando Abad along with Mike Bauman. It is not a great situation, but you do take a look at John Means, and when he came off the injured list, he was really rocky, but he's looking like the John Means of old, giving up two runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. Now the team has won one and four in these starts because they back him up with a really bad bullpen, but the good news is they're facing off against the Texas Rangers team that is averaging the fewest runs per game of any team out there in Major League Baseball ever since the All-Star break, so this is a spot in which I wound up saying the Baltimore Orioles as a sizable right around minus 155-ish favorite. Did wind up saying the sold at 8.7 as well because I do think that Gitter Dunning is not going to be able to do so, and I think that the Orioles bullpen gives up some runs as well. So going to be taking the Orioles on the money line, and I'm going to be taking the total over. 919-920 on the bank bar. The Cleveland Indians are going to be playing us to the Chicago White Sox. Lucas Giolito is going to be going for the Sox. Tristan McKenzie is going to be on the bump. For the Indians, Indians are finding themselves as a pretty sizable underdog of an 14 plus 148 and plus 154. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Southsiders, anywhere between minus 161 and minus 170 is your price. 8 to 8.5 is your total. On the 8, over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. On the 8.5, under is minus 120. And the over is even for Tristan McKenzie. He did wind up getting lit up in his last start, but you take a look at what he's been able to do by and large ever since the All-Star break. And since the All-Star break, he's got a sub-3 ERA, and the big thing for him is that at the beginning of the year, you just giving up walks upon walks upon walks entering into the month of July. He was registering right around 7 walks per 9 innings. Ever since then, it's been more like 2 walks per 9 innings, so that has been big for Mr. Tristan McKenzie, and this is a guy that he's got electrifying stuff. His strikeouts per 9 rate is just below 11 so far this year, and prior to his blow-up start against Kansas City Royals, he had given up approximately 1 run in each out of his last 4 starts, and given up 2 runs or fewer in each out of his last 6. Has been able to do a great job of being able to keep the ball in the air prior to that start. He had given up a combined 1 home run in his last 6 starts, and he's still, even with the three home runs given up against the Kansas City Royals, has given up five home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August. That is a span of nine starts. So you give him some credit there. And then Lucas Giolito, this is a man that has been a little bit up and down. If you throw out that just complete atrocity that he wound up having against the Boston Red Sox earlier in the year, he's got a sub three road ERA, 348 ERA overall, including that one. He's given up nine home runs in 85 and a third innings with an opponent's batting average of 226. So he's actually been able to do his best work away from Chicago. And then you take a look at the White Sox, and you do have quite a few fearsome hitters. Luis Robert, sitting right around 350 for this bunch. Tim Anderson, in a little bit above a 300. He's been able to find some power. You've got Jose Abreu, Yoan Mancada, Lori Garcia, only between about a 262 to 265 whenever you've got Yasmani Grandal out there. It has been very good, as ever since coming off the Angeles, he's hitting something like a 350 and averaging a home run every 8-9 to nine at bat, so he has been great. And for Mr. Jose Abreu, this is a man that entered into yesterday, second in the league in RBI. Andrew Vaughn has been able to hit right around 240. Ian Cesar Hernandez, both 15-plus home runs, and then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians and got quite a few guys getting on base for you. As you've got Framel Reyes, Jose Ramirez, Harold Ramirez, Miles Straw, all in between about a 255 to a 270 with Reyes and Jose Ramirez, both 30 plus home runs. Ramirez wound up entering into yesterday with 35 bombs. Now, you need a little bit more out of Bradley Zimmer, Yu Chang, Bobby Bradley, all these guys are in between about a 215 to a 225, and then Andres Jimenez, Austin Edges, Owen Miller. These guys are in a 215 or lower, but with the Cleveland Indians, Emmanuel Classe, Blake Parker, these guys have been able to give you some good innings but you do have James Karinczak on the injured list and Nick Samlin as well, so that's been a little bit of a bugaboo. But then you take a look at the White Sox, even though you do have Craig Kimbrell along with William Hendricks, this bullpen has been a little bit up and down. Aaron Bummer has been a bit of a bummer for the team so far this year with right around a 370 ERA. Now, I will say, over the last 30 days, a 090 ERA, so he is starting to lock in. It seems like Eric Crochet is starting to lock in a little bit as well, but with that said, I do like what I've seen out of Tristan McKenzie recently. I was willing to make the White Sox a favorite, but I only made them a favorite of more like a minus 125, so I'm going to take the plus price here with the Indians, so the 
Rangers total at an 8.7 as well. So we're going to be going over along the Indians. 921-922 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays hit the road face off against the Minnesota Twins. Griffin Jacks hopes to knock a jack stuff for the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile, Alec Minow is going to be going for the Jays. Jays are finding themselves anywhere between minus 180 and minus 182 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're able to look at the Twins, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 168, 9-9.5 is your total on the 9. The over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105 on the 9.5. Under is minus 120 and the over is even for Jacks. My goodness, this guy just can't stop giving up home runs. It has been absolutely ridiculous to watch him. And for Alec Manoa, he has been one of the best rookies in all of baseball so far this year. Now, with Manoa, he certainly has been a little bit more shady when it comes to being on the road versus being at home. But still, a 7-2 record and a 3.36 ERA overall. On the road, that's a 4.18 ERA compared to a 2.47 at home. And he has given up 7 home runs on the road compared to 4 home runs at home in a similar amount of innings. But still, you're going to take that over what you've got with Griffin Jacks, who home or road has given up 21 home runs in 72 innings with a 6.75 ERA. Yeah, it's not going well for him at home. It actually shrinks to a 6-1-9 ERA. He's only given up 10 home runs at 36 and a third innings compared to 11 and 35 and two-thirds innings on the road. But, man, it is not great. And then you take a look at the Swins bullpen. You've got a couple guys that have been okay for you. Kyle Bearclaw is able to give you a little bit of something. Luke Farrell has actually been very good for this team. Wam and I has been able to give you a couple of solid innings, but I just have no faith in guys like Ori Alcala, Caleb Theobar. And for the Blue Jays, Adam Simber over the last 30 days has a sub-2 ERA. You've had a little bit of something with Kirby Sneed as well. I think that's going to be intriguing to see what you get out of him. The last few weeks, Nate Pearson has good stuff. Hasn't been able to put it together yet, but Tim Maza certainly has been. Then you take a look at this Toronto Blue Jays lineup and not a lot of guys supplying the boom. George Springer ever since coming off the injured list has honestly not been great for the team, but he relieves pressure to guys like Marcus Simeon and Vlagero Jr. A pair of guys with north of 40 home runs for Vlagero Jr. He's trying to track down that triple ground. Hitting right around at 320 going into Saturday to Oscar Hernandez. He's been able to supply right around 29 to 30 home runs. He's hitting at 300. That has been very good for the team. You've got Boba Shett. He's been able to hit right around a 290 for this bunch. Entered into yesterday with 26 home runs. Santiago Spenel. It's almost able to get on base for you as well. And then you take a look at the minutes of the Twins and Byron Buxton since coming off the injured list. Certainly has not been the same player. You've got Ode Palanco with north of 30 home runs. He's been able to 270 for you. Mitch Carver has come off the injured list and he's looked solid, but Brent Rooker, Ben Rothfett, Miguel Sano, Ryan Jeffers, Max Kepler, Jake Cave, and Dalton Simmons, all these guys are going to 225 or lower. And I will say with Sano, ever since the beginning of the month of July, right around 335 on base, he supplied 29 home runs. Josh Donaldson, 24 home runs, right around 350 on base. But I do take a look at the spot, and I think that Griffin Jacks is going to be giving up runs upon runs. This is the spot in which I want to make in this total a 9.7. So we're going to be looking at the over with the money line of the Blue Jays. I wound up setting it more in the neighborhood about a minus 160. But if you're taking a look at the run line, I'm finding a minus 105 at DraftKings, other places. I'm seeing more like a minus 115-ish. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 120 on this run line. So I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the Toronto Blue Jays in this spot. And I'm going to be taking this total over. As we move on to 923, 924 on the betting board, the LA Angels are going to be playing us to the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the M's. Shohei Otani is going to be on the bump. For the LA Angels, as the Angels are finding themselves anywhere between minus 139 and minus 145 favorites. Meanwhile, with Gonzalez and company, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 133, you're finding the subtle anywhere between 8 and 8.5. On the 8.5, under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. On the 8, reverse it. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And for Shoei Otani, he's been able to do an amazing job as a starter for the Angels recently. He's given up two runs or fewer in 
eight out of his last 10 starts and has really been able to go deep into starts. You're noticing him going to the seventh and eighth inning, and he's done a good job of being able to lessen the walks ever since the All-Star break. Fewer than two walks per nine innings. You may recall in his first six starts of the year, he had right around eight walks per nine innings. So that has been great. And when you take a look at Shoei Otani, he just has been so much better pitching at home than he has been on the road. On the road, his ERA hovering right in the neighborhood of about five. You take a look at him at home, though, and this decreases all the way to about a 202. He's got a 6-0 record at home, giving up eight home runs in 71 and a third innings. That opponents earning a buck 94 off of him. But you take a look at Marco Gonzalez as well. For one, he's backed up by his far superior bullpen. And for two, he's given up three runs or fewer in now 14 out of his last 16 starts. So he has been rolling. He's done a good job of being able to lessen the walks as well here in the month of September. He's given up on a walks per nine rate right around like 2.2-ish. He has been giving up quite a few games in which it's been like three runs over the course of six innings, but he's been a steady Eddie guy. You just take a look at this bullpen though. You've got Paul Sewell, who has been a little bit more shaky recently, but you've got Drew Steckenrider along Casey Sadler, both with sub-2.5 ERAs. Yohan Ramirez has really been a good find for this bullpen as well. You take a look at what he's done over the last three days, a sub-3 ERA. That is something that you do like to see him for the LA Angels. Andrew Watts probably wants a season back because He's got north of a 5 ERA. Been able to get a little bit of something. I've seen He's got right around 3-1-5 ERA. James White has not been good for the team. Jimmy Hergo. It's actually been surprisingly okay. And Rossi Iglesias is a great closer. But you need to be able to get the ball to him. And this is an Angels team that going into yesterday. Averaging 3.3 runs per game in the month of September. That is the worst in all of baseball. Mr. Otani. He's had 45 homers. But ever since July 28th. He's been hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. Got quite a few guys. Like they just need to pick it up at the plate in general. Jack Mayfield's only hitting about a 215. You've got whenever you've got Wong out there, he has not necessarily been great. Luis Ranifo, he's hitting below the middle line of 200. Got quite a few guys hitting between about a 255 to a 270. I mentioned Otani a little bit earlier. David Fletcher, Brandon Marsh, Phil Goslin. You're able to throw in there Max Sassy and Jared Walsh as well. With Walsh, just four home runs ever since the All Star break, make it five. And then David Fletcher, he's been hitting right around like a 220 ever since the beginning of the month of August. It has been absolutely terrible. Then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, and they do need to pick it up with quite a bit of their batting averages, but at the same time, you do have J.P. Crawford hitting right around 265, Ty France, more like a 295. And then Mitch Haniger, Kyle Seeger, both entered into yesterday with 35 home runs apiece. Now with Seeger, you're able to throw in their Ore Mamalois, Cal Raleigh, Jake Fraley. <laughs> How about Jared Gelnick? Dylan Moore, list goes on and on of guys. They're in a 225 or lower. That has been an issue, but you've also been able to have Abraham Toro come over, hit at least a 275 for the Seattle Mariners team. This is a Mariners bunch that entered into yesterday with five straight road wins. I think that they're going to be able to continue to win these one-run games as they entered into yesterday with 33 wins by one run. That is the most out there in the big leagues. No other team has 30. So I do take a look at the spot. I do think that there's value here with the Seattle Mariners money line. I actually made them a short favorite. So we're going to be taking a look at that. Also wind up saying the sole at any point too. So going to be taking the eight and a half under and I'm going to be taking the Mariners. 925, 926 on the main board. The Houston Astros are going to be in the road face off against the Oakland A's. Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, Jake Odorizzi is going to be on the bump for the Astros. Astros are anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Oakland A's, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 105. Going to be getting them as good as a plus 105. And your total on this game is 9 with the over and the under both at minus 110. With Mr. Blackburn, you take a look at his starts ever since the beginning of the 2018 season. He's got north of a 70 yard. He's been a tad bit better this year, but he certainly is not a swing and miss guy. This is someone that, with regards to his strikeouts per 9 rate, is right around a 6.5 so far this year, which is actually better than what he's been in the past. He's someone that's not going to put you on cheaply. When you take a look at his walks per 9, that's hovering right around a 2.2 to a 2.3. He just gives up a 
bunch of runs. Four runs, give it up in three out of his last four starts. He's given up four home runs in that time span as well. Then you take a look at Jake Odorizzi. He's not great, but he's not terrible. I feel like they should have used Christian Javier as a starter instead, but he's given up two runs of fear in each out of his last five starts. So his last start, he wound up going one and a third innings. With Odorizzi, he's been able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to keep the ball down on the road. It's been a little bit of an issue with the deep ball. 11 home runs, give it up in 53 and two-thirds innings compared to five bombs, give it up in 42 and a third innings at home, but certainly has been able to be a solid starter. He's backed up by a bullpen that is pretty solid, as you did wind up having Kendall Graveman get used up yesterday. Yimi Garcia, it's been a little bit of a hot mess for the Houston Astros, but at the same time, Ryan Presley, even though he wound up not being able to close it out yesterday, only used for 10 pitches, so you're conceivably able to bring him back today. You've been able to get some good production out of someone like a Blake Taylor as well. And then you take a look at what you're able to get on the flip side for the Oakland A's. And this bullpen, ever since really August 10th, so over the last 40 days or so, it's got an ERA that is north of five. Lou Trevino along Sergio Romo has certainly been hitting the skids. You have seen even someone like a Jake Diekman have a little bit of a tough time with it. Teo Liz Carrera has been one of their better relievers for this team recently as Meryl Petit has had his ups and his downs, but he seems to be stabilizing. But then you take a look at the Houston Astros. Quadrant of guys with at least 24 home runs and all hitting at least a 278 for the team. Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker. It's been absolutely amazing to watch that. Alex Bregman, he's hitting about a 280 for the team. You've been able to get production out of Yoli Gurriel, hitting a 315. Jose Siri, along Jake Myers, the young guys have stepped up with Siri, hitting right around a 290. So it's been very fun to be able to watch that. And then for the Oakland A's, got a lot of guys with at least a 349 on base. You've got Josh Harrison, Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, Mark Ganna, Tony Kemp. You're able to throw in there Matt Olson. And for Olson, he certainly has been the guy that has been supplying the boom for the team all year long. 38 home runs. And it's been a tough year for Matt Chapman, but for Chapman, ever since the beginning of the month of August, a double-digit amount of homers in this time span, and he's been able to have an on-base percentage that hovers right around a 360, so that is something that you're able to look at. Seth Brown has been able to supply home runs whenever he's been out there, 16 home runs, and that has been over the course of about 250 at-bats. Problem is, he's only hitting about a 210. That's been a little bit of an issue for Sean Murphy as well. He's been able to supply right around 14, 15 home runs, but he's only hitting a 215 himself, so this is fine in which I just don't necessarily have a lot of faith in Blackburn and this bullpen. I wound up saying the Oakland A's as right around a plus-130 underdog, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Astros in this spot. When it comes to this total, set it at a 9.7. So, going over along with the Astros, 927, 928 on the bang bar. you got the New York Yankees in the road face-off against the Boston Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Sox. Meanwhile, Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves as slight underdogs. Any work team, plus 107, plus 108. And the Red Sox find themselves anywhere between minus 117 and minus 118 with your total of 10 with the over and under both at minus 110. And I do like what I'm seeing out of Jordan Montgomery right now. And Eduardo Rodriguez has been a little bit better recently, but it's hard to have a little bit of faith in him. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be sending the Yankees as a slight favorite, much like I did in yesterday's matchup in which the Yankees were able to pull. You take a look at Jordan Montgomery, you want to be having a little bit of a bad one when he wanted facing off against the New York Mets. But really past that, he has given up one run or fewer in now eight out of his last 10 starts. He has been able to do a very good job for this New York Yankees team. And he's been able to do a solid job on the road against Boston. In his last start at Fenway, he winds up going five and two-thirds innings scoreless. So that is something that you do like to see. He's given up three runs of fear in every one of his appearances against Boston so far this year. And then for Rodriguez, he's got a 497 ERA now. Like I mentioned, has been a little bit better recently, giving up four total runs, three of which earned over the course of his 10 and two-thirds innings across his last two starts. But this is a man that at home has not necessarily been too great. A 616 ERA, meanwhile a 422 ERA on the road. Now he has given up only eight home runs compared to 11 
on the road, but at the same time, he's also pitched 32 innings fewer at home as well, and he's giving up right around a 277, 278-ish batting average both home and on the road. And then for the New York Yankees, how about this from our good friend Emmanuel Barbari? Does good work with WFAN and has actually joined my college basketball podcast a few times over the last 30 games for John Carlson. He's hitting a 316 and he's got 13 homers and 32 RBI. So he has been terrific. He, Joey Gallo, along with Aaron Judge, all been able to give this team at least 32 home runs apiece. You've got Claybor Torres who wound up going deep a few days ago. That was his first home run since mid-July. So he seems to be rounding in form. He, DJ LeMayu, Tyler Wade, you're able to throw in there. Also, Gio Rochelle, only between about a 259 to a 270. You've been able to get a little bit of something when Luke Voigt's been out there. It seems like he's dealing with a little bit of an ailment. And then you've got Gary Sanchez, Brett Gardner. These guys need to pick it up a little bit. And then for the Boston Red Sox, you certainly have had quite a few guys be able to do a very solid job of being able to get on base and supply some boom. As you've got Christian Vasquez, Jose Iglesias, you're able to throw in there Kyle Schwarber, Hunter Renfro, Rafael Devers, only between about a 260 to a 275. In the case of Devers, he has been incredible. He's been able to give you north of 30 home runs. He's got over 100 RBI for this team under Renfro. He's been able to supply the boom. He and Kyle Schwarber between 27 and 30 home runs apiece so far this season. Xander Bogarts is sitting at 300. He's been able to supply the boom with 23 home runs. And Bobby Dahlbeck over the last three days has nine home runs and he's hitting right around 300. So these guys have been very good. But you do take a look at the Boston Red Sox bullpen and it's been showing some leaks recently that certainly came out yesterday as you've been able to get a little bit more out of Ansel Robles. Only used for seven pitches yesterday. Eric Mona is back in the fold for this team as well. But you can tell that this is a team that they've won away from Garrett Woodlock a little bit more because he's been injured, so he's not going to be available for this one. Michael Felice is someone that's not necessarily giving you a lot. Matt Barnes has been up and down and for the New York Yankees. The bullpen has rounded into form. Aroldis Jamin has certainly had his issues so far this year, but he looks a little bit better. Chad Green is able to give you some good innings. Joey Rodriguez, Juan Peralta. These guys are really starting to perform for Peralta. Over the last 15 days, a buck 59 ERA in his last five appearances. Luis Severino is now a guy that you're able to look to out of the bullpen as well, so I do take a look at the spot, and I do think that the Yankees should be a little bit of a favorite because with Jordan Montgomery, he's given up three runs of fear and now eight out of his last nine road starts as well. So he's been a little bit better there. Wound up setting this total at a 10.7. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over and I'm going to be riding with the New York Yankees in this spot. I think that we're going to get a little bit of a higher scoring game with the Yankees being able to pull it off. And we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the betting board. You got the Tampa Bay Rays and they're going to be playing with the Miami Marlins. Asus Lizardo is going to be going for the fish. Meanwhile, Shane Boz is going to be on for the Rays. Currently have no numbers up on this game. I think there was mystery as to whether or not Boz was going to be the starter in this one, but you take a look at Mr. Boz and he wanted making his MLB debut about a week and a half ago against the Toronto Blue Jays and looked very solid. He did wind up giving up two solo runs, but you take a look at what he did at the minor league level, right around two walks per nine innings, while giving 12 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The record wasn't necessarily great, but at the AAA level, he had a sub two ERA. One of the top prospects in all baseball, he's one of the cornerstones of that Chris Archer deal. And then you take a look at Asus Lizardo. He's got a seven ERA for the year. It has not been going well for from, and it gets even worse when he's on the road because he's in a pitcher-friendly Miami ballpark at home. On the road, a 9-1-3 ERA, four starts, seven total appearances, giving up six home runs in 23 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are at 343 off of him. He faces off against a Tampa Bay race team in which you've got a trio of guys that will be able to give you at least 30 home runs. Mike Zanino, Brandon Lau, along Nelson Cruz, and then you're able to throw in there the fact that Austin Meadows has 100-plus RBI. He's been able to supply right around 26 home runs so far this year, and got a lot of guys that they do a good job of being able to draw walks. G-Man Choi is only hitting right around 230 so far this year, 350 on base. Randy Orozarena hitting right around 272, 275 along Nelson Cruz and Joey Wendell, but for a 
Rosarena right around at 350 on base. Elsa Cruz a 340 on base. Joey Wendell a 330 on base. Andy Diaz is hitting at 260. He's got a 355 on base. So these guys have been incredible with that. And for the Miami Marlins, you're still currently without Jesus Aguiar. That has been very big for this team. He's leading the team in homers when he wound up going on the injured list a few weeks ago. He had 89 RBI and was towards the top of the National League with that regard now. Brian De La Cruz is hitting right around 330. He's back in the fold for this team. You've got a couple guys doing a good job of being able to get on base in Jazz Chislam along with Asus Sanchez. Both of these guys hitting between about a 245 to a 255 and for Sanchez. You take a look at his last 30 days going into yesterday. Nine home runs hitting right around a 245 with a 340 on base. So he's been able to do a little bit of something but then you've got Izan Diaz, Sandy Leon, Eddie Alvarez, Austin Jackson, all these guys hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. Been able to get a little bit of something on Nick Fortes hitting like a 500 over the course of like 16 at bats. So very small sample size there. Miguel Rojas hitting a 270. I will say for the Miami Marlins, bullpen has been very solid. Richard Blyer wound up getting used up yesterday, but you've been able to get some good innings out of guys like Dylan Floro and company. Stephen O'Kurt is someone with a sub-3 ERA. If you've been able to get a little bit of something when you've been calling upon Zach Pop recently, you wound up having a rough start to the year, but he's really been able to rein it in recently. You take a look at his last 30 days, and he's been able to do a solid job for this team. He's been able to give you right around about a 3-5-ish ERA, and then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, and you've just got a stockpile of good bullpen pieces. J.P. Fireeyes and Pete Fairbanks. Now you've got Nick Anderson coming off the injured list. I do recognize that Andrew Kittredge is currently on the injured list, but even someone like a David Robertson, I think is going to be a big key for this team moving forward. I think that he's going to be able to rein it in, so I just take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays team, and I think that they should be a big, giant favorite. I am setting them more in the realm of about a minus 245 in this spot on the run line. A little bit north of a minus 140 is what I'd be laying on a run and a half. And this is a spot in which a 9 or lower. I'm going to be taking a look at the over 9.5 or higher to the under. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Sunday. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNNRNSQUARTY1. Keep a fine letter ZM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via a five-star review. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.